Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, and today we are joined by Simon. Hey, Simon. Hey there, guys. How are you doing? Good, thank hey. you. As usual, today's episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so no fiddling with the router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right, Simon, where in the world are you from? So I'm currently living in Auckland, New Zealand, but I'm originally from Johannesburg in South Africa. Ah, I was going to say, it's a very interesting nice. Kiwi accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, bit of a mixture. <laughs> uh, excellent. So I guess, how did you start your home automation journey and, and how did you get here today, I guess? Yeah, really good question, Phil. So um, about a year ago, we moved into a, a new house, which was a big renovation project. And it started off with um, my daughter was looking for some of those Wi-Fi smart colored light bulbs for the downlights. So we got a couple of those and installed them and pulled in the, the two-year app and started playing around a bit. And I thought they were pretty cool. So I installed a couple more of them. Uh, but it was quite frustrating because, first of all, it had its own app. And then second of all, if you switch it off at the switch, <laughs> you, you sort of lose any functionality. So yeah. – um, the next step was I bought an Amazon Alexa and started playing around with that. They were on a special, like $25 each. It was quite a good deal. And started playing around. That was really cool. The voice automation and things was, or the voice activation was really, really cool. And started looking at a couple of other things that I wanted to do. But I very quickly saw that you were very limited by what would link up to what and what you could do with it. So I started watching a whole lot of different videos on YouTube, um, all different guys that are producing content around Home Assistant. And um, there's, a, there's a Swiss electronics guy that I watch as well. I can't remember what his name is now. But he was talking about Home Assistant, and then I'd seen Dr. Z's and the hookup. And <laughs> yeah. it was probably the hookup that really convinced me. Um, so... Watched the hookup video. I had an old Raspberry Pi 3, um, stuck the SD card in, and away I went. And that was it, down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, are you still running it on the 3, or did you upgrade? Or No, no. I've Since then, I've upgraded to Pi 4 and SSD. <laughs> so nice. you know, I realized it was going to take a bit of strain quite quickly. So yeah, I yeah. Up upgraded pretty quickly and been listening to all your podcasts, which has been really amazing just to – get to know all the characters out there. <laughs> so how are you finding the Raspberry Pi 4? Like I've always thought that, uh, I know, and maybe I still have this, you know, feeling of, you know, Raspberry Pi 3 days and SD cards. Has Raspberry Pi 4 been okay in terms of, you know, reliability or is there anything that you, do you think you're going to go bigger than a Raspberry Pi 4? So the Raspberry Pi 4 is actually really, really good. Uh, compared to the three, it's a massive difference. So I put it on the four and I also bought an A2 um, SD card, which made a big difference. Um, I then got my um, SSD upgraded to that. That made a big difference as well. But to tell the truth, I'm waiting for my Home Assistant Yellow. I ordered that. Nice. The moment I heard about it, I couldn't resist it. So, <laughs> but Yeah. No, that's awesome. Mm, so that's the, the long-term plan. What, uh, 
are you planning to use the native uh, Zigbee in there and, and, you know, potentially matter when that comes out and, or uh, do you do any Z-Wave or anything like that? So do you need extra hardware? What's the, what do you, what do you like? I'm, I'm curious just cause I've, I've heard a lot of people be like, yeah, I'm looking at the yellow. It sounds like, it sounds like you've uh, already, you know, put your credit card down or some of that. Uh, you know, what, what's the, so what, what do you plan to use with it? So I uh, yeah I purchased the yellow probably about a year ago now or nine months ago <laughs> quite a long time ago I, I don't think I've yeah. ever waited for <laughs> it's the first one of these starter campaigns that I've ever actually put money down for and the only reason I did it was that I really trust Paulus and the guys so um, yeah. I'm going to use the yellow as it is out of the box um, I currently use a um, a Zigbee Sonoff USB stick. So it's going to be really cool to have the yellow with the Zigbee built in and uh, looking forward to the fact that it can use Matter and Zigbee on the same radio. So I don't currently have any Z-Wave devices. So um, I'm sort of enjoying Zigbee's really good local control. Um, And the other thing I'm working towards is having all my devices locally because Really, really frustrating. I started off with all these two-year devices. Um, two-year integration, frustrating. Uh, two-year local is a lot better, but um, I'm still keen. I have a lot of Shelleys. Those are really good. But, yeah, I'm keen to stick local if possible. Oh, absolutely. Nice. Have you tried the two-year local integration? I have. I've got two-year local running. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> It's pretty awesome. It was, it was quite a challenging. Um, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a good mate of mine actually got it working for me in the end. He um, He's using it, and I got it set up. I haven't managed to get the lights to change color or dim as yet, but the basic yeah. on-off is working really well. So it's really quick. It's good. It's stable. Yeah, Toya Local is a massive improvement. Oh, absolutely. No. I think, yeah, the only trouble with it is it's a pain in the ass to get the keys out. Yeah. Um, you yeah. need, like, to use the terminal commands. Like, um, so if you're not comfortable, you know, if YAML's too much for you, then doing the, yeah. some of the stuff at two local is going to be uh, even more complicated. Even I struggle sometimes. And then yeah, yeah. once you do get it configured, there's things like, you know, just as you mentioned, there's something like not being able to change the colors of lights, right? Because not every device is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I've got, um, I don't know if you have it in New Zealand, Simon, but we have a, a brand here called Kogan, um, and they have a two-year-based smart kettle. I can mm-hmm. integrate the on-off switch for the kettle. That's fine. But yes. there's also the feature of being able to set the temperature. So I can't change the temperature of the water right. for whatever reason. It's oh. just, it's, you know, not that I ever would want to change the temperature, but no. if for whatever reason someone accidentally presses, a, you know, 90 degrees instead of 100 degrees on the kettle, <laughs> then I can only ever, you know, remotely set it to 90 degrees, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just little t- things like that that are frustrating. Do you, do you find like Phil, Phil's mentioned quite a few times before where he's had trouble getting specific types of gear in, in Australia. So like, I think, I think it's Zigbee that you have trouble with, uh, Phil, or is it no, Z-Wave, Z- Z-Wave is the, the tricky yeah. one. Zigbee's I can use cause it's an international oh, same frequency because yeah, you can Z-Wave just get it cause from... it's region, right? Um, yeah. Do, do you although, have that same problem? Simon? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so most of my items have been ordered from China. So yeah. certainly the local smart home market, very, very limited. Uh, Bunnings has got a few things. So I bought a weather station off Bunnings. I've bought a couple of their two-year plugs. 
But uh, if you want Zigbee stuff, you can get the Xiaomi stuff, um, the Xiaomi sensors. So I've got those little temperature and humidity, yeah. and I've got the PIR sensors and things from Xiaomi. But generally, it's much easier just to order off AliExpress. And I find that delivery at the moment is about two weeks. So pricing's good and it, it works really well. Nice. Okay. So that's cool. So at least you can still get the gear and yeah. I find that uh, the tricky bit is when it comes to like smart plugs, you know, anything that needs to plug into the wall. So mm. um, I think we're talking to like um, Rose in one of our episodes and we we're saying, oh, you know, get sick smart plugs or something like that. And there was a few comments on social media about it as well. And yeah, I've been looking at AliExpress and sure there's a, a couple, but they're either um, not as cheap as I would like or they mm. – uh, a more China-based, not like sorry, China and Australia and New Zealand have the same uh, plug layout, but I think China is yeah. the up opposite direction. So ground for us is oh. at the top. I don't think it makes yeah. a, a difference because I've been able to get a Xiaomi um, smart gateway, plug it in, just turn it around the wrong way, right? And the words are upside right. down for whatever reason. But um, there's just like little things like that you've got to watch out for. Um, also, the Xiaomi smart plugs that you can get, um, the Wi-Fi and mm-hmm. the Zigbee look exactly the same. Um, the issue I have that um, when we have only two pins, so there's a three-pin plug, the you need to actually get like a – I use my wife's uh, earring just to push the ground <laughs> because if you, there's nothing plugged into the ground on that smart switch. Mm-hmm. The two other um, pins won't allow you anything to be plugged in. Um so there's right. little things like that that you have to get around. I'll tell you what I have come across, which is really cool, is the Atom devices. I don't know if you've seen those. They are no. pre-fleshed with either Tasmoda or ESP Home. And um, they actually, I just ordered two smart plugs from them today. At uh, They were $13 for two smart plugs. Um, Australia, New Zealand plug with yeah. a ESP Home flashed on it already, which is really, really good. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good price too. The only problem I have with that is it's still Wi-Fi. I'm just, yeah. I'm trying to avoid anything extra on my Wi-Fi for whatever reason. Just I would rather it be Zigbee or Z-Wave, just so that you know if I ever change my Wi-Fi password, I have to update it. And I've always had that thing, right? Like uh, the consumer uh, Wi-Fi is not going to have the ability to have you know more than fifty devices. So. Um, yes, I've got a couple of access points and I'm running, you know, not standard stuff, but the last thing I want is to overload my Wi-Fi devices because, and then my Netflix struggles because I've got too many smart plugs plugged in (laughs) reporting energy, right? So, yeah, I was, I was quite lucky. I came across a really cost effective Wi-Fi router that handles 200 devices. So, yeah, that's working really well. It's called a Dynalink ASX 3600. Nice. And it was pretty cheap. It was like $200 or something shipped from Amazon in the States. And I've linked that up and it's actually worked really, really well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I guess, so you've got the two stuff. What other, and you've got some Xiaomi stuff. So that's Zigbee, I'm guessing. So mm. are you using like a Zigbee hub or you've got that, like a, a USB stick to get Zigbee on there into Home Assistant? Yeah. I originally had the um, the hub that came with the Xiaomi, and for some reason mm-hmm. it connected the first time, but then for some reason it started going offline, and then it totally disappeared and wouldn't connect again. <laughs> okay. So I bought the Zigbee, um, Sonoff Zigbee USB stick 3.0, and that's been awesome. Very cheap. Yeah. Plugged it in. 
it's really easy to pair the devices while you bring it along, press the little button, and it just links up and it starts communicating and things. And it's, yeah, it's, I'm really impressed with that. Nice. And does that integrate with ZHA in Home Assistant, or is that more like you've got to use Zigbee to MQTT or something like that? No, I've just got it basically plugged straight into the uh, Raspberry Pi, and then I just downloaded. Um, I'm not sure if it might be a hex integration, but super easy. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice, really straightforward. That's cool. What? Uh, so, what? What cool stuff are you doing with all these uh, all these smart things now? Like, uh, what are what are your like? We we always like to ask, what are your favorite automations, things like that. So, like, just. What, uh, I don't know, what's the coolest thing you're doing? So one of the cool things that a lot of people have been really interested is uh, measuring my water tank. So um, I'm in a semi-rural part of Auckland called Beachlands, and we run off uh, two big 22,000-litre water tanks, basically just pull rainwater off the roof. And before that, I was always going up, lifting up the thing and putting a stick right. in. <laughs> I'm trying to see. Yeah. In summer, it's like pretty frustrating because you're running out of water and you want to order water and then the trucks are all backed up. So um, I found this uh, – I looked at a couple of options. So first of all, a lot of people are suggesting you could use a, a sonic, one of those little yeah. Arduino sonic sensors. Yeah, it sort of measures but, the distance to the ground, right, yeah, based on yeah. the water level. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. But – it looked to me like it wasn't going to be really uh, long-lasting in that damp environment. So I went on AliExpress and I found these. Um, it's like a stainless steel tube, and it's got a um, a little sensor of some type, diaphragm or something inside it. And basically you power it up on, I think it's 12 volts, and it then pushes back a voltage back up to the um, – to the the device on the at the pump, so I'm using a Shelly Uni, which has got an analog to digital input. So basically, it, um, I bought the naught to five volts. I should have actually bought the naught to ten volt to get a little bit more voltage out of it. Yeah. But it's reading between zero volts and one point six volts, which I've then just brought in as a gauge into my home assistant, and that's really awesome because at any stage I know how much water I've got in there. Nice. So that's really cool. Um, I'm thinking of doing some more automations around sort of actually working out how much water I'm using. Um, I've then got a Holman Aspect um, rain gauge and weather station that tells me how much rain there's been. Yeah. So I was looking at doing some sort of automation, like working out how much water I've got, how much has come in, how much I'm using, and then sort of send me a, a message either on my mobile phone or on, on Alexa text-to-speech or something telling me I need to order some more water. So that's that's a really cool one. It's been – works very, So very how well. do you translate the – or how do you know what the voltage is compared to like a percentage? Right? So if you're going, uh, my tank is 0% or 100% full, how mm. do you know what 0% is and what 100% is? So currently I don't even bother with that. Basically I just bring it as a voltage straight into a gauge and then I just um, set the gauge from zero to 1.6, and then I put in the colors. So I put a little gauge indicator, and I select the colors. So currently I've got a green, orange, or red. So as it goes down, I can see well, because I don't really mind what the percentage is, as long as I can see on the gauge yeah, how full it that is. That makes sense, yeah. So, so essentially 1.6 yeah. is 100%, and then everything under there is yeah. whatever percentage of that 1.6. Exactly. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. 
Yeah. Are the tanks close to the house so they constantly power through the mains or have you needed to use like solar panels or a battery out there to get power to that device? Uh, no, there's a power uh, plug there ready in the pump box because you've got to pump the water back yep. up to the house. So basically I've just got a little 12-volt power supply powering the Shelly. Um, and the Shelly Uni is actually a really cool little device. I don't know if you guys have played with it, but – it basically offers the analog to digital conversion. Uh, you can run three temperature sensors or one temperature humidity. You've got two binary input sensors and two output relays as well. Well, not relays, but uh, low power output right. switches all in one tiny device. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, they're pretty neat. I think everyone's yeah. going with Shelly stuff now. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, Shelly, Shelly's awesome. It can be fiddly. I've had one or two issues with connecting the Shelly ones sometimes to my network. But once they're connected, they're just rock solid, man. I tell you, they, I've got a lot of time for so Shelly. Those uh, readings that are coming from the Shelly, they're coming in via Wi-Fi, I'm guessing. Yeah. So this is the other benefit of the Shelly Uni because it's got quite a long, it's got like a pigtail aerial. So it actually gives you much more range because I was playing with the SP32s, just the little chips, and they've got the the little aerial etched into the board. But I found that the, the actual Wi-Fi signal wasn't strong enough to reach to the pump because right. it would be about 20 meters or so away from my router. So the Uni's got an external plug-in antenna, and the antenna actually gives you quite a lot of extra range. And I'm assuming you could actually bump it up to a bigger antenna if you wanted to as well. Interesting. I didn't I didn't actually realize it had uh, external antennas on the uni, so that's actually kind of cool. So even if yeah, you put it inside yeah, a metal case, something, you can always, again, stick the antenna outside, right, and still... Yeah, that's exactly. Cool. So it's it's an awesome little device. I, I, I'm actually... I think a lot of people haven't considered them because they look a bit funny because it's just yeah. the board on its own. There's no casing or anything. But, um, yeah, I, I'm super impressed with those Shelly Unis. They're just really great. So there's no them. casing on them. How are you housing them? So my favorite house is a lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> you know those little click yeah, clack top yeah. lunchboxes that you That's get? That's amazing. Because <laughs> I haven't got a 3D printer, so... <laughs> I was gonna say, you can you can always 3D print one, as if, as if I have a 3D printer, which I don't. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. It's uh but yeah they're that's pretty nifty. Again, it's cool. I've seen people do like Lego. I've seen people do I don't know all kinds of like Altoids cans and like that kind of stuff, right? Other tins, whatever. So yeah. that's funny. So another another cool thing that I did was um Home Assistant Glow. That's really, really cool. Um because I wanted to see my power consumption. So I built the little Home Assistant Glow, and that's another, it's a very, very cool project. It's literally like less than 10 bucks to build yourself a sensor to read your, your power coming in. That is pretty neat. Yeah. I think I've, I think we've talked about glow maybe once on the show, Phil. I don't remember, but mm -hmm. yeah, I do remember hearing about it and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Maybe, maybe I just read it. I don't know if we actually talked about it, but it is pretty cool. It works very, very well. It sometimes throws out an odd reading, but 90% of the time it's, it's working extremely well. So I guess you've got your water tank done through Shelly. Are you doing anything else with Shelly? Yep. So I've got a Shelly dimmer in the lounge. That's really good. I've got six downlights in the lounge and Shelly dimmer works great for that. I've got, um, Shelly's running my outdoor garden lights. So I've got, um, just normal 12 volt, uh, 
little garden sort of spotlights that I've got both at the front and the back garden. And those are really cool. It's just got a simple automation. And that's probably one of the the most useful automations is just having your external lights on the house coming on yeah. at sunset. And then I normally switch them off around 10 p.m. So it's just so nice to know that you get home, the house is lit up, um, and everything works. Yeah. So that's the Shelleys. they Really, probably one of my favorite products. That's cool. Yeah. You're you're pretty in the Shelly ecosystem, eh? Sounds like. Yeah. Uh, I just found it so simple, easy to install, yeah. um, doesn't give you, never disconnects, basically. I've never had a Shelly drop yeah. off. I, I, again, like, again, on the show, we hear Shelly all the time and nothing. I don't think we've had one person be like, yeah, it's okay. Or like, or like anything I'm worse than that. I'm, I hate it, right? Okay. Yeah. Like, everybody loves no. it. So it's, uh, which is... I mean, I'm glad there's a product like that, right? Which uh, people can rely yeah. on. It's local, you know, so on and so forth, right? So yeah. And I installed a Shelly EM at a mate of mine's place. He had a six hundred dollar mm-hmm. power bill, so he wanted to find out where all his power was going, and he didn't have a flashing LED on his power meter, so we just ordered a Shelly EM, and that was super easy install as well. Works really, really well. So. Uh, they are really, really great products, the Shelleys, yeah. Yeah. So, you, all right, so you've got Shelly and you've got some Zigbee stuff. Where, and you mentioned before, so using the Amazon Echo for voice control, how many people mm-hmm. in the house are needing to use your your home setup, I guess? And have you had to make any adjustments yeah. for them? So there's, <laughs> yeah, so there's two of us, just my wife and myself. And um, so... Presence detection for me is a big thing. Um, I wanted to install a Lamo, so I've got that loaded up. And great custom integration. The, the problem like I have is awesome. Oh yeah, it's awesome, awesome, very well done. So I've got a Lamo, and I've got some cameras on the outside, some real link cameras. And the my thing was that I wanted a Lamo to basically arm and disarm as I come or leave the house when both yep. of us are away. So I've got my phone all up and running, um, basically sensing when I'm away, sensing when I'm home and everything. But my wife's phone, unfortunately, she's got too many apps, too many photos or something, and <laughs> she doesn't want to get more apps loaded up. So at the moment, yeah, I'm, I'm limited by that. So I, I, can, I can relate. I'm, I'm trying to find another. Yeah. So that's, that's my issue. But I actually saw one of the guys did a, a video the other day using an NFC tag. So just tapping when you arrive home and tapping when you leave to set the alarm. So I just ordered myself one of those NFC tag kits, and I'm going to try using an NFC tag reader as basically when you arrive home, tap the tag. It looks, looks like quite a great so, awesome yeah, idea. It's a great idea. The issue is uh, encouraging people to tap. Um, so yeah. I I've had a proof of concept. This is way before Home Assistant did the um, ESP Home NFC tag readers. Um, I had an old Android mm-hmm. uh, Samsung phone and we were living in an apartment at the time and I thought I'll just do a proof before I you know, try and do some more hardware for this, I'll do a proof of concept. So um, my wife and I had some uh, wristbands from uh, one of the local like, pools around here um, that had an NSE chip for the locker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, cool, we'll, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll do something with public transport, right? Like you tap your card on, you tap your card off, right? Easy. Yeah. Uh, no, not so easy. The problem is I would remember to come in, tap, you know, that I was home, then I'd leave, tap off. But my <laughs> wife would, you know, uh, forget to do either one. Yeah. So she'd get home and be like, why does the TV get turning off? Why are the lights turning on? Or when she leaves, I'd know that she's at work and I'd look at the house, log in and see, oh, cool, the lights are on, the TV's been left on. Yeah. 
the house thinks you're home, like what's going on? So uh, if you can solve that problem, then you might be okay. Maybe you need a siren. I, I, I didn't want to get a siren because I lived in an apartment. Uh, that was my next. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm escalating too far. Uh, so presence is, um, I think the only option I've got at the moment is just to get the home assistant app somewhere um, and install that. But I, uh, yeah, that's my, my cautionary tale for an NFC tag sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was keen to try ES Presence, but I haven't managed to get that quite working yet. That looks quite awesome. I've also got an August smart lock at the front door. So that's quite nice because you can see if the door is open or closed and you can um, use that to run automations and things. Um, only issue I have with the August is that it chews up the batteries using the Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty hungry. Yeah. Um, I actually really like a llama. I have uh, an electricity box. Um on the outside of my house. So yeah. you know, that's where that's my Achilles heel. If anyone ever finds my house, right, they just go up to the electricity mm. box and click the mains breaker and yeah. everything goes down, right? It's kind of um, dumb place to put it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and there's no mm. lock on it because you can't put a lock on it because, you know, the electricity company needs to be able to get into of course, it, read the meter, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to, I'm going to put a door sensor on the electricity box and I've got a new area in Alamo set up. So if I'm home and the sun is up, um, that will be disarmed so I can open and close the box and I won't get an alert. But, you know, at night time or if I'm away, you know, um, I'll have that set as armed away. Um, and as soon as someone pulls the box open, um, Home Assistant gets that pretty quickly um, and will send off a, a trigger, I'm assuming through Tulio or something, give me a phone call um, to say, I'd, hey, someone's just opened up your electricity box. It's time to see what's going on sort of thing. I'd, I'd be curious to see how how well that works with that much current running through around there. Just again, in, I'm just thinking in terms of any like electromagnetic leakage or, or anything like that, right? Any it's EMI in that? Interesting you say that because I, sorry, Simon, I, we are digressing a little bit here. <laughs> um, no, no. Literally, I have a, a, like a Z-Wave uh, door window sensor on the front door, which is right next to this electricity box, yeah. right? And it is the only, and I have uh, Z-Wave um, smart switches around it. So there's like literally right next to it. The door, that front door sensor is the only one that will randomly stop reporting its state. And maybe you're right, maybe it's the, electricity box being right there that's causing the um radio issue if it's there. a little far like if it's a meter or two away at least it shouldn't be that much of a deal yeah, I no, think. Pretty, unless pretty close unless it's that close and and your power is that uh yeah maybe i need to leaky i don't know probably i've drilled into that front door now and put the sensor in properly yeah. i don't want to try another protocol and have to redrill and all that but uh, but are you are you planning on putting the <laughs> things on the inside the sensors on the inside of the box yes yeah it's is it a metal box no it's a wooden box okay it's so, okay okay yeah. I, was, I was gonna say yeah if it was a metal box work. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no lucky it's just a wooden box so okay um, we'll see how that goes but hey everyone i just wanted to take a minute to talk about the eufy video lock it's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling it's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. 
My favorite part about it though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored. So you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I also have a Ring camera right next to it. So as soon as someone enters my driveway, um, they're going to get video recorded into Ring anyway. Um, but it's more of a peace of mind of, you know, actually, what are they doing sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, sorry, the, I, I digress there. Alamo is great. I've set up um, a whole, yeah, so I've got uh, the electricity boxes down its own zone, and I'm toying with setting up uh, my office and my garage as separate zones as well. Um, so you can have alarmed night as well. So you can have things like um, uh, the lights will be a dim when the uh, alarm panel is armed in night mode. Um, so, yeah, there's cool little things that I've always, you know, I, I like uh, alarm panels for because there's you can sort of, tell the state of the house based on what arm state the house is in yeah. right same for vacation right yeah. if the alarm panel is in vacation mode then activate vacation light times like nighttime scenes and lights and all that do you, do you have a panel simon that you use or or how do you how do you control alarmo maybe mention that i don't remember no not as yet i haven't actually activated alarmo yet i'm just playing around with it so i do have an ns panel yep. that i'm playing with um so I was thinking the NS panel might be something. So currently I'm just running it with the Sonoff integration, which is very yep. flaky, I must admit. But um, when I get the courage up, I'm going to be flashing it with ESP Home. And yeah. I see then there's a whole heap you can do with the NS panel in the way of creating alarm panel, whatever you like. So I, I think that's quite, yeah. a, a, quite a cool option. Um, I, I've seen some people saying it's not that easy, so you can um, ruin your NS panel. So it's a little bit of a yeah. I'm waiting to for it to get a bit yeah. older before I start fiddling around. But I, I, I was thinking that yeah, could be that's quite actually cool. really cool use of a NS panel too. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's got a lot of opportunity. I see they've just released the NS panel Pro. So that's going to be interesting. It's a little bit different. It's got a Zigbee built in, and I think it's yeah. running. It's it's got a. It's not an ESP. It's actually got a full process. I think it's running Android or something in there. So I'm very interested to see how that's going to perform and what it's going to cost. I'm expecting. Well, it's on the other side of it expensive. too, how easy is it to modify? Right, like I mean, an, an ESP Home is or an yeah. ESP32 or or the like can just be flashed with DSP home on it, right? If it's, if it's an actual yeah. like ASIC or processor that they use on there for a specific thing, then, hmm. you know, how, how, how do you get to that? Right. So until somebody writes some piece yeah. of code for it. So exactly. The other, the people will be out there doing it quickly. I'm sure doesn't seem to take the community. Yeah, long no, to start exactly. a little. Another cool thing I did was build a CO2 sensor recently. You, you built a CO2 sensor. Yep. Okay. So, I did some research uh, on different options off Alley, uh, and a lot of guys were recommending a thing called the MHZ19 sensor. So it uses a um, infrared light. So it's a little gold box, and it's got a light inside that shines and reflects off a mirror and back. And apparently CO2 absorbs infrared light. So it's got a light sensor on the other side, and based off the amount of light that it's receiving, it will calculate the um, amount of CO2 in the air. So I hooked that up to ESP Home, 
with an ESP32, flash it over, all the software is available there. Um, and that is amazing. Like we play with a lot of sensors. Mm-hmm. We've got these little ones that we play with, but very difficult to integrate those into Home Assistant because no one's written a um, an integration. So, And these are like $350. So I built one for ooh, 40 bucks. Yeah, pretty that's, cheap. <laughs> that's pretty good. And it works really How cool. How do you verify that it's working correctly, though? Well, I've got this one, which is I can calibrate it with. And oh, plus it's have a calibration, a calibration setting. Yeah. What, what? So, you, yeah, you can move it to a fresh yep. air and then press the button or send it a pulse, and it will then reset to the 400 yeah, that, makes that it's supposed nice, to be at with fresh air. What, what was the sensor you just held yeah. up? The it's called an M. Oh, this is called an Aronet Four. So it's a little e-ink display with a really yeah. good quality sensor inside. Battery powered. It's got a little app. Um, our company in Germany basically has given us directive to go around to different hotels and things and cool. measure CO two levels at the moment. So I've been doing a whole campaign on LinkedIn. I managed to level measure seven hundred. 7,000 parts per million wow, in a spin wow. class the other day. <laughs> that sounds safe. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, real safe. And that's Ooh. a modern three-year-old gym. You know, it's all fancy and air-conditioned, but no wow. ventilation. And so you're using that in the house? Yeah. Like, have you got plans to – what sort of automations would you be doing behind that just as a, a safety measure? Like, make sure the, the gas heater's not you know, going to kill you, I guess, or – so it's it's all about basically measuring how much CO2 is in your building. So, for example, at night in the bedroom, if you close the door in the window, it'll quickly build up to about 2,000 parts per million. So my plan long term is to build some sort of a ventilation system so that once it hits too much CO2, it's going to start um, replacing the air with fresh air with a heat nice. recovery ventilation system. That so that's the great. idea. So how would you, and that would, I'm guessing, will all be integrated into Home Assistant, right? So, and, and Home Assistant, yeah, of course, right? And Home oh, Assistant yeah, will be the, the, the brands, right? Like, uh, the, sorry, the brains behind it, yeah. Like, uh, you brands, can yeah. have, you know, okay, automation yeah. sees it, the CO2 is this level, all right, kick on the, the cleaning of the air this way. Yeah, exactly. Pull in some fresh yep. air, get rid of the old stale CO2. So it's a really good, it's a really good monitor of air quality. So it can tell you, you know, what sort of ventilation levels you've got and just prompt an automation to get rid of that old yeah. CO2 air. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty handy. I mean, it, 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 at the end of the day, it is yeah. kind of important for us, for our health too, right? So, you know, is it required? No, but is it nice to have? I think, I think it is. That's kind of cool, right? <laughs> I love sensors. I like to sense yeah. everything. I love my <laughs> weather station. <laughs> sense everything, graph everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do yeah, any any totally. recording of your data and like logging and graphing, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, not at this stage. I did actually download um, Grafana, one of yep. the, I think Grafana. Yep. I did put Grafana on at one stage and I think on the Raspberry Pi 4, it was using quite a lot of um, yep. data and processing. So I did actually disable it because um, I think it was, it might've been slowing it down a bit. So I'm hoping with the yellow, I'm going to have more opportunity and um, see where that goes. Because I do like, I really like the idea of being able to create yeah. really, really I cool mean, if, graphs. If anything, at that point, you can repurpose the Raspberry Pi as a dedicated kind of logging box or Grafana box, right? Well, the Raspberry Pi has got another plan. <laughs> I've got a plan. I want to install Frigate. I want to do some um, yep. AI. 
because I've Rohan, currently got a go, rear edge. This is what you've been waiting for. <laughs> Someone's going to be That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've got a rear link camera and it's supposedly got AI, but it's pretty rudimentary. So I've done some research and I found this thing called the Google Coral. I don't know if yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, but they're so, next impossible well, to get. Well, now listen to this story. So they're 550 bucks on Ali and Amazon, right? Yeah. Plus shipping and tax. So one of my members of my group texted me on Friday to say that RS Components, who's in Penrose right up mm-hmm. the road here, yeah, is selling them for $98 each. You're <laughs> kidding. I'm yeah. serious. So I immediately placed an order, seven-day delivery. I so love that's components. pretty exciting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, oh, I'd, I I'd be interested to see if it actually shows up because there's been a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of, yeah, yeah, we have inventory and, and they don't. Right. And uh, yeah. so I'd be I'd be interested to see. I, actually, I think it was on the Home Assistant Facebook page. I just saw somebody was like, I got a coral. And everybody was like, whoa, <laughs> how? <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. and they're like, I forget who they bought it from. It may, it may have been even the same company you mentioned. And people yeah. were like, I ordered some from way back when and from the same company and mm. I never got it and blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's like, I don't know. There's there's apparently a lot of sketchiness happening with uh, with vendors selling the google coral right so um oh really I'd, I'd love to know if you actually get it in seven days but but again i'll let you know yeah so, somebody on facebook or i think it was facebook or reddit maybe but just, they had one right and they're like hey here it is it's kind of cool right and everybody's like that is <laughs> yeah like what how so i've watched some of the videos and it looks so awesome man you can like, point it and it'll tell you that's a cow and that's a cat and yeah it looks incredible eh? i think i think depending on what you're doing too if you're not doing a ton you may not even need it potentially because then it'll just hit cpu right but but again that's that's assuming yeah. you're not doing a ton if you are then it's probably yeah. not going to be the best but you know uh but yeah but the nice thing is the Google or the Google, the Home Assistant Yellow also has a spot where you can put uh, something like a coral in there, right? So yeah, because it's just USB, so it um, it looks like a very cool little device. I must say. Well, I think I think the Home uh, the, the Yellow can take it in as a is it M dot two? I think I want to say it is. Yeah, uh, something like that, that, where it can accept uh, expansion port. Yeah, accept a oh. coral. So might might be. Even easier than at that point, you don't need a dedicated box running frigate, right? If you yeah. have it as a container running on the yellow or something like that. So, do you have any particular plans or anything that you're looking at uh, trying to track with your cameras? Like, you're looking for a specific person, a specific thing. Do you want to know when the cat's running across your driveway? Well, what are you trying to get out of using frigate? So I just want to get better camera detection. So I'd find it very frustrating that, you know, you've got all these cameras running and they are, as I say, the one, this real link supposed to do, tell you if it's a person or a vehicle or a dog or whatever, it doesn't really work. So that's the main thing is to have it set up so that it can, first of all, tell if there's a person in my back yeah. garden or it can tell me going down the road, the one at the front can actually give us an idea of recognizing people's faces and stuff like that. So that's the that's the general idea. Yeah, that's nice. cool. I have a um a real link solar powered one. Um she's great mm. through the app, but because it's solar powered you can't uh run streams of data from it going into um, oh, yeah. you know, like a frigate or a, a, an NVR somewhere. So I think hardwired cameras are in my future at some point. Yeah, I'm quite lucky. My house has sort of got all these cavities. It's like a two level. So I've actually got a cavity on the side of the house. It's quite convenient. You can climb in there and run the cables oh, and that's stuff. Nice. 
So, yes, I think it's yeah, it's an old house. It's got it's actually got some. It's got phone cables throughout yeah. as well. So I was watching another video. It's a two twisted, eight twisted, uh, four twisted pairs, yeah. and I believe you can actually convert that over to a um, hundred megabit Ethernet cable. Yeah, basically, just by swapping. Yeah, because it's all just wire in the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A lot, well, a lot of a lot of even here, a lot of uh, contractors now when they're putting in uh, phone cable, they actually just use uh, UTP, right? Like uh, unshielded twisted pair yeah. cable, where. It's it's an Ethernet cable, and they just use two of just use one pair, right? Instead of or two pairs, whatever whatever phone uses, uh, instead of actually uh, all four pairs. So you just hmm. swap out the uh, the faceplate and pop in all four pairs, and bam, you got an Ethernet port. Yeah. Another thing I'm I'm quite enjoying is the whole audio focus um, of Home Assistant, and um, what I've done, I'm actually using a um, a Google Chromecast. Yeah. And I've got that. I've got the HDMI out from the Google Chromecast running into my home theater amp. So that's quite cool. You can basically trigger from Home Assistant any audio, either loaded locally on the Home Assistant or um, other audio. You can actually trigger directly through there, and gives you really good quality. It's HDMI in. Amazing. Have you have you tried playing uh, with Music Assistant or any of the other new uh, music features that? Uh, that Home Assistant launched a couple of uh, releases ago, I guess last release technically at the time of this recording. Yeah, it was. I think it was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm keen to try that. I've downloaded the Hex um, music yeah. one. Yeah, I haven't actually installed it as yet, but yeah, I'm pretty keen to try that. Yeah. As as I was watching it, I'm like, this is cool. Downloaded it, installed it, yeah. did absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As as expected, I'm like, I, I. Well, again, a few years ago, I switched to entirely streaming, right, and then. And I was like, okay, whatever. So yeah. I don't have any local music, just to even test with whatever. So I'm like, I know, I know it does accept like different streaming services and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I just, I just haven't done it right. And it's just like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. But not, not, not a priority yeah. either there, right? So it's like, but, uh, but it's interesting. I haven't, I haven't talked to anybody. I know, I know there are people out there using it. I haven't talked to anybody that are though. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear their uh, experience. So yeah, I, I was watching a couple of the streams. I watched Doctor Z's did a stream on it, yeah. and. Um, Obviously, Paulus and them did it, and I think the limitation seems to be with the ESP that the sound quality is not that great. It seems to be most yeah. of the challenges at the moment is that the actual quality of the sound wasn't that great. Yeah, even and even with the pre-made, some of the pre-made ones, I've heard the like mm. they're great for what they are and they're great for the cost, but they're not like mm. you know it won't be like Sonos quality or like something like like something like a, a more premium brand would would get you right uh, and yeah. and I don't know if that's a limitation of the ESP home or sorry the ESP uh chip inside it or if it's a limitation of uh just how people have implemented it right could could be either so mm. so are you using any form of uh, touch panels or anything? How are you just driving home assistant around the house where you need to do any overrides or, or anything like that? So currently pretty much just using the phone, um, just using the mobile app. It seems to work really well. Um, I am keen. I've got the NS panel, which is going to be, once I can get it flashed, that's going to be, there's one guy I found that's doing amazing videos on that. He's He's just... He's from Europe somewhere, and he's created some really, really cool graphical interfaces on that little nice. panel. I quite like the idea of the size of the NS panel and just the fact that it just fits into a standard plug switch or light switch rather than it's sort of 
it's quite cool to have a big panel, but it's it's a bit fiddly to actually get it um, set up properly sitting on the wall. Um, I've used TVs to display the content, but if you actually want to have a touchscreen with uh, feedback, um, I wouldn't mind doing a tablet at some stage, but yeah, it's another project I haven't yeah, got to. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, yeah. I, I, I like the concept of the NS panel just because typically with yeah. a wall tablet, you know, especially to make it nice, you want to run extra cabling and you want to do all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Whereas here, like essentially you got to cut the wall, drill holes, whatever. With the NS panel, you just use an yeah. existing wall plug and go pop, which is which is nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I that appeals to me rather than having to, you know, cut, run wire, yeah. run a plug, et cetera, et cetera, right? So. And the panel itself is pretty, it's reasonably responsive. And um, I think there's some really good opportunities. If you can get the flashing to work, um, I mean, there's some good videos, good video tutorials showing you how to do the flashing. So it's just a matter of, I'm just trying to decide, should I solder the wires on? Is it going to be enough to just put the little pins through and hold them nicely yeah. while it's flashing? Because I've flashed heaps of um, ESP32s and stuff with, um, you know, with ESP Home and Tasmoda and things like that. That's super easy. But it's just, you know, when you've bought something for 120 bucks, <laughs> you don't want to really blow it up. No, yeah. you don't want to brick it, right? No, exactly. So I did ask the AliExpress seller if they'd send me a, a separate control board if I blew it, and they sort of didn't respond. <laughs> no, Oops. my best response from uh, AliExpress was, uh, you are very smart. You plug the wires in the wrong way around. We'll send you a replacement unit. <laughs> to which I'm like, hang on. the unit, It doesn't work like that. If I plug them in the wrong way around, yeah. it wouldn't have turned on completely right. So yeah. don't don't blame me for it burning out. Oh, uh, well... But, but I do appreciate them you calling you stupid in writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of the comments they make are hilarious. Eh? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> i tell you who was really good, Atham. When I first bought my first, I've got an Atham four-gang switch, touch switch, and I was really impressed. They sent me one, and it, it was just really janky. It didn't work properly. So I told them and they yeah. sent me another one, didn't work properly, sent me another one. So it was really quick and easy and I was really impressed. I think Atham is a great brand and I think it's a really, really cool idea to have locally flash stuff. And so, yeah, I was really impressed with their customer service. Nice. Yeah. That's good. And were they, did you, where'd you get them from? Like you say, were they the brand you got from Bunnings or? Uh, no, no. So Atham I bought from AliExpress. That's, gotcha. um, the one I got from Bunnings is the Grid Connect stuff. Yeah, the Arlec one. The yeah, Arlec, I got yeah. The, got... I got a, the same, like the power board, the four-way yeah. uh, power board that can be controlled. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, I like it. It's just Wi-Fi, right? Just in the oh, no. Wi-Fi. <laughs> 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 but yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with the weather station. Eh? I got the Holman Aspect weather station from Bunnings, and that ties in with the Wonder Weather Underground app. So you link it up, tie it into yep. the app, and then there's a Home Assistant um, hacks integration. And, man, that works really cool because I'd ordered myself the 433 megahertz, um, you know, those little radio dongles that you buy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to try and fiddle around with that. But I got the, the the hex integration working, and it's just super cool. No problems at all. Hmm. I've also seen um, at Bunnings there's a, a Holman irrigation controller, um, yeah. which I believe is Bluetooth, and I think I've seen a, a hex integration for that as well, um, which I think will be in my life in the future, maybe if I 
Hex is awesome, man. I tell you, the stuff. Oh, I like the low tooth, the Beely low tooth, uh, Bluetooth integration one as well. So I've got some of those Xiaomi temperature sensors. Yeah. And I've got the Beely uh, Hex integration working. So that pulls them in. Just the the range is quite limited, but you can extend the range by setting it up on a ESP32 and just plugging that in somewhere. And then you can you can bounce it off there. I know we talked about presence before. I just had a I was going to say something before about presence. Um, yeah. You mentioned you tried ESP presence. Have you tried Room Assistant? No. Which is no. So Room Assistant, I have on uh, one of the computers here. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's very similar to it. Just uses Bluetooth, so it's just constantly scanning for any Bluetooth device um, mm-hmm. that it can see, and it just uh, when it sees that um, signature or sees that uh, back ID, it says, "Okay, yep." this device is home, right? And if you run multiple instances of Room Assistant, Mm -hmm. um, depending on which one is closer, it will then say, okay, this phone or this tag is in this room based on it's further away from this device, so it's closest in this room. Um, I use it to track some tile, like the tile pros um, of those little uh, trackers that you can get. I've got one in my wallet, one in my wife's wallet. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got one in the car, one in my daughter's um, change bag. And then I can see... Based on, you know, because um, I find the tile app takes a while to update the GPS position. Um, mm-hmm. And depending on my uh, wife's phone, it may not update if she's got like battery saving mode on. Right. But with the Bluetooth, as soon as the tracker gets home, it's instant. It knows, okay, oh, wow. this tile tracker is home. This person is home. Um, it just does mean that, you know, sometimes my wife doesn't take her wallet with her, which then means I need to come up with some Bayesian probabilities of whether, you know, depending <laughs> if the car's away and my daughter's yeah. away and the phone is not detected, this, uh, yeah, um, it gets complicated, but at least that might be another option if you're looking for, I guess if you've got like an Apple smartwatch, it might work well, you know, if you're, um, or any smartwatch, if you're constantly wearing it, then you can um, scan who's in this room based on, where that watch is. Another. Yes, I've got one of these smartwatches, yeah, so I might go. try and see if that's going to um, be able to connect in. I did get some of those little Apple AirTags, but I understand that Apple AirTag, you can't really, there's no really good integration to get that working. Yeah, Apple's I really was, privacy conscious on those, right? So Yeah, yeah but I feel I'll, like I haven't tried it, but if it's still BLE-based, right, it should still mm-hmm. broadcast BLE. That's all it's doing. Uh, unless it's they're randomizing that MAC address. That MAC address. They, which I, think I suspect that's what they, they would. Yeah. Apparently a, Apple does that, yeah. Yeah, but in a device that small, I would think it needs a little more brains than that. But yeah, you might be right. That's that's a good uh, thing to check out. Yeah. Apparently that AirTag's actually got quite a lot of brains in it. But I was even thinking of installing uh, Apple HomeKit because I, I saw a video someone else did an Apple HomeKit integration into Home Assistant, and then they did the presence with HomeKit and then created a Boolean to go between the two? Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. But then isn't HomeKit just Wi-Fi based as well, I think? Because it doesn't use its own radios. So but I guess the uh, it is local, which is... Yeah, it's local, yeah. Yeah. And but, because but it's Apple. But Apple, Apple is working on Matter, though, so... Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, Matter looks really cool. I enjoyed that Matter um, mm-hmm. workshop they did the other day. That was awesome. Yeah. The, the other thing you can look at, too, and I don't know why I remember this one specifically, but... I think mm-hmm. we talked about this in like one of the very first episodes we did, but it's called Happy Bubbles, which is the same same kind of same kind of deal as what Phil said. Oh, uh, did they, I think they're gone now from memory. I think yeah, they um, closed down. But, but I think yeah. they I think they did. But uh, I think their software is still available. 
Right. Uh, now, how recent it is, I mean, the latest release is 2018, so might not be the best, but I think they, they had actually, I, I thought they had open sourced their hardware too, but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, but I wonder I wonder if there's somebody else that may have taken over that project or done something like that, right? But uh, yeah, I just thought they were, they were really cool because they had custom hardware that uh, was basically... They had like little dongles that you carry like a presence dongles yeah. you carry around yourself right like just like hey yeah, yeah like yeah. well i mean there are presence detectors right so i think those mm-hmm. are ones you put in just in rooms right so you just stick those little things and there's they're i think they get because they're, they're older right it's, again mm-hmm. defunct project but it, it's esb 8266 based mm-hmm. and and uh, they had like it was like a little circle that was just a little bit bigger than the esb 8266 Simon, are you using any uh, presence detectors in your rooms, like motion sensors, I should say, sorry? Yep. So I've got some PIR Xiaomi sensors running through to my Zigbee Hub. And are they the new ones? Uh, they're just those tiny little Xiaomi ones. Have you seen the new ones? No. Like, um, oh, I really want one. So they are, I think they're called the PR1. They've got like a, uh, a code name. It's really hard to get them outside of China at the yeah. moment. Um, I believe they're Zigbee based, but they're not just... Um, motion sensors, they detect like human body signals. So if you're sitting still, mm-hmm. I guess it can detect that um, based on your body heat that you're still in the room. Oh, so it yeah. solves the problem of, you know, you're reading a book in a corner mm-hmm. and you're not moving, uh, which just happened to me five minutes ago and the blind side <laughs> going up while we were doing this recording. Um, and the um, so it will know that someone's in the room still and detect and report this room is occupied. Um, yeah. So it's a pre- presence sensor rather than a motion sensor. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Motion is, I, I think it's, they're very similar, but a presence sensor just is a lot more um, granular. Mm. So like micro kind of movements, right? Rather than yeah. like yeah. large scale, like, hey, I'm waving at the, yeah, 100%. At the sensor. That looks really cool. I must admit, I've, I've actually seen a couple of videos on those. But honestly, my PRs are working awesome, eh? They're really, really very responsive, no issues at all, eh? I have some Z-Wave motion sensors, and I don't know, they, they just seem to, I don't know if it's Z-Wave in general mm. or if it's just um, the, the time that the sensor needs to wake up, but I find like I could walk into a room um, and I'd be halfway through the room and right. then the lights come on sort of thing. Now, these um, are instant, eh? Those, they're tiny yeah. and they're so small as well. They're really neat little. Yeah, that's it, right? And the battery life's yeah. amazing. I've got some buttons as well. I did a little, I did a little um, doorbell button at the moment where you press the button and it announces on your Alexa someone at the door and then it sends you a text <laughs> message. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to do no dread and then I found it's just as easy to do it in the um in the automation system. Yeah, through the UI or through YAML? Just through UI. Yeah, I've yeah. I've done a bit of YAML. I haven't played much with YAML. So the the weather station integration has got a YAML coding component, but yeah, I haven't done much. I'm not a, a coder, whereas I do understand graphical user interfaces, so the the no dread for me is pretty cool and so flexible, I yeah. Would you say like all most of your automations go through Node-RED? No. One or two. Most of them are just normal automations in the UI. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, so when you started with Home Assistant, had they done like the uh, the automation builder in the UI? Yeah. And do you think that that was a selling point for you or would you have not, like would you have gone another system had you not needed 
That like um, I'm assuming you had no dread at that stage. Yeah. So no dread would have been the route I would have gone because um, I used to work for a, a CRM company years ago where they had a called Pivotal. It's actually from Canada. And they had the most amazing Mm. graphical workflow tool where you could build forms and then all these huge um, automations just on graphical. So having used that, when I saw Node-RED, it was awesome because it just sort of came across to me easily. Because we usually get people on the podcast that have been like hardcore Home Assistant users for, you know, like since the zero dot days, Mm. right? Um, And you're like, no, we need YAML, must be like all my automations are in YAML. Um, so you've come on since, you know, the automation yeah. UI builder was there. Um, and I guess this is one of the points I guess the home system people have been making is that, you know, we need to make it more accessible to people that mm. don't just want to use YAML, right? Um, and there was always Node-RED, but Node-RED's always a bit, yeah. uh, you know, I need to, I, I can't use Node-RED. I find it frustrating. All right. Um, it, it is a bit, I, I would say. wires and. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> but it, once you get it, it's quite powerful. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. And it's cool to see it stepping through the different stage processes and that that's, just makes it easy to debug. Yeah. yeah. Like the UI debugger now is being yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, and that is cool. Eh? As long as you've got an ID against your automation, even if it's in YAML, mm. um, and being able to see the steps, you know, oh, why didn't this automation execute? Oh, because it's gone around here. Um, pretty powerful. My wife asked me to do an automation, but it's quite a tricky one, which is to open oh, the yeah. door for the dogs to go out. <laughs> So okay. when, oh wow yeah so when we were at home um she liked me to open the door let them go and have a toilet stop and then call them back with the Alexa and get them back inside so I actually found some there are some door activation devices you can buy a valley but um yeah so it's a big project but it would be really cool yeah so you haven't done this yet or you I haven't done what it you're yet. no it's a, how, how would you so what the which door would like have you got like a, a dog flap or something that would need to open or are you going to open no, the whole door or it would have to be the whole door so there is actually a mm. door activator you can buy from aliexpress one of the vendors yep. there but there were no reviews or anything on it so i must admit i've actually yeah. had really good good um response from ali i've never i've had one dud deal but other yep. than that it's been really good so yeah it would be a whole opening door like that and so that'd be pretty cool um i also wouldn't mind doing some some curtain and blind automation um, yeah that looks cool but it's expensive eh? like those curtain yeah. motors about 300 dollars plus with the track and all that yeah yeah the curtains get yeah. i know i've got some blinds and standing mm. on them off aliexpress um, some Zemi smart blinds. Oh, uh, oh yeah. So the the roller tubes. Um, so they put a motor inside yeah. the roller tube. Um, I actually got because I had a few blinds. Um, I think they were like the solar panel. They're like 150 Australian dollars or something like oh, that. Yeah. Right? Not not cheap, but better than that's, spending a thousand dollars the blind, blind too, right? No, 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 no. That, yeah. That's just the motor. Sorry. Mm. Oh, um, just the motor. Okay. So okay. I already got the blinds. I don't need to buy new blinds, right? Um, yeah. So I may as well yeah. just um, put a motor in them. So I actually got. They actually came. I've bought them in like stages. The first stage I had one that was dead on arrival. I said, all right, that's fine. Mm. They sent me out a free, uh, a new one, a replacement, mm. kept the old one. That's great. And then I ordered, you know, like um, six more or something like that to do the rest mm. of the house. And about half of them were dead on oh, arrival. No. Oh. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, so sorry. They sent it up and they sent me a video of um, how to open up the <laughs> product. And all it was was a ribbon cable inside, uh, wasn't plugged in. Yeah. Um, it must be like a, a manufacturing default. Yeah. Um, I was able to plug the ribbon cable in and sure yeah. enough, these units started working. So, oh, wow. wow. Uh, but yeah, it's like good deal. Uh, like yeah. 
good customer support at least. Um, yeah, sure. Like it was handy to, you know, what I was doing when plug it back in. But mm. Finicky with the fingers, but that's okay. Um, mm. So I can recommend those. So Zemismart, oh, cool. I think, is and there's Zigbee, right? So it's all local based. Oh, yeah, um, that's that's what you want. And it's got a yeah. RF remote as well. So like, mm. um, yeah, remotes can be oh, in. Cool. Yeah. If you're looking for if you're looking for Venetian blind, because mm-hmm. right right next to me, I have three three blinds. Uh, doesn't really show on video, but I've got three Venetian blinds. So like the ones where you can twist, and then you have mm-hmm. a string uh, like a cord that you pull to open it up. Right, so twist to kind of tilt, uh, tilt the line and the cord to open mm-hmm. it and getting the, uh, get, getting just devices to put in to, to get those automated, mm-hmm. especially when you're like, I don't, cause I don't have uh, electrical outlets against this wall. And, uh, it is like, it's just stupid. It's, I think mm-hmm. it's 150 to 200 bucks yeah. each. Crazy. Right? And yeah. I was like, and then tax shipping whatever on yeah. top of that and i'm like i'm not spending six hundred dollars to automate three fifty dollar blinds right yeah. like it's 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 ridiculous but it's i mean i i listen i'm not i'm not saying there's no cost i'm not saying there's you know there's the r&d cost and there's the there's the actual cost of the product too hmm. but it's just like oh my god that's so expensive yeah right and yeah it's, uh, i've got plantation shutters in my house for how i've told you they're the absolute yeah. vein of my existence at the moment. My wife loves them and she doesn't want to change them. Um, yeah. But automating them, right? Um, yeah. There's one company, I think it's an Australian-based company, that did have a little mm. uh, motor that would stick onto a, a, a blind um, and open mm. and close it. But they have since stopped selling the product or are out of business, um, maybe because of the pandemic. And even mm. then, I, I calculated the cost. Um, it's going to cost me like $3,000 yeah. Um, to do all the blinds in, yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So may as well just buy new co- window coverings at that point, right? Well, exactly. At that at that point, it's cheaper for you to get a contractor mm. and get, get get cable run up there and 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 you know do that bit, right? It's mm. uh, I don't know. It's a it's a little it'll it's a little crazy. I mean, I I get it. You're paying for the convenience. You're paying for their capital costs too. But it's just it's also moving parts, I guess. Like generally, like mm-hmm. motion sensors, there's nothing moving too much. Where here you got motors and things that can motors, wear and tear battery, and, blah blah blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, windows coverings are a, a very big topic yeah. in the automation space, right? Um, yeah, it's so. a great it's a great automation, I reckon, to have. Oh, you know, opening closing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. those plantation shutters, I hate opening and closing them every day. Every other blind, mm. I just love watching going up and down themselves. Right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best. So one other thing that I've I'm just busy doing is um, quite a lot of people have said to me that they didn't get into Home Assistant because they're scared of going down the Raspberry Pi route and, you know, they feel it's too much for them. So I'm actually putting together a really simple step-by-step video explaining to people with absolutely every step shown how to get it up and running on a Pi. Nice. Yeah. Because I was going to say um, probably a good time to sort of wrap it up. But, yeah, Simon, you have just started a YouTube channel as well where you're documenting all your – Home automation journey. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. So we're going to see how frigate goes. How if we'll find a video update when you get your <laughs> yeah. Google Coral, no doubt. Yeah, that's um, right. So we're going to leave links to that, of course, in the show notes. What are you planning? What's your next video planning going to plan to do? Well, this is the one that I'm busy doing at the moment. Nice. Is a super simple installation guide on Raspberry Pi. Yep. So that someone that's got no IT experience at all can basically follow step by step. And I'm doing it a little bit more slowly. A lot of the the explainer videos are quite fast and sort of yep. I'm doing absolutely very step by step. So I'm hoping that's going to build a community that more people get involved. Nice. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I don't, yeah. You can never have um, too many instructional yeah. videos out there, right? And Every, with Canvas yeah. isn't changing as much as it is, um, a good 2022 version will be well needed, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be uploaded shortly. And then, yeah, there's heaps of other. Then I'm going to start with basic products that you want to buy because I've been down the route of buying all the two-year stuff and then it's just frustrating. So I want to start with, you know, Shelly One, this is what you can do with it. Um, The Atom stuff, it's really cool. Going down the Zigbee route, just step-by-step building up a system. Nice one. Well, we'll leave links in the show notes to the YouTube video, this um, the YouTube channel. By the time this uh, podcast comes out, you'll probably have that video out. So, yeah, yeah, check it out. Um, Simon, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been awesome chatting to you. Um, Thank you, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.